Welcome to Real Money Talks. Real strategies from the money makers and the world changers that you can use to make millions, keep those millions, multiply your wealth, and build your team. Here's your host, author of five New York Times bestsellers, money expert on Dr. Phil, CNN, CNBC, The Street TV, Fox News, and The View, Laurel Langmire. I want to welcome everybody to our special edition of Ask Laurel today on tax education, being on the 15th. Special day, special day. Anyway, first things first, I want to, again, welcome everybody that's jumping on the call today. And let me introduce myself again. My name is Brian Schofield. Worked with Laurel now for a while. And there's the picture of Laurel. It's not fair that I'm next to her because obviously I'm so much more attractive. I'm really sorry, Laurel, to say that. I don't know what else to say. Uh, I think you've had a bad day. You forgot your glasses. For sure. Uh, Anyway, without further ado, I want to welcome Laurel Langmeyer to the call. Laurel, take it away. Well, thank you. And uh, you're funny today, aren't you? You know, ever since I've, ever since we did, took you traveling with us, you know, you're getting a little like, oh, gosh. So uh, anyway, it's great to have you. Today is a big day. Today is a big day for those of you who haven't quite understood the whole corporate structure because you would have filed an extension. I had some people over the weekend panicking, going, oh, my gosh, Monday's the 15th. And I said, why haven't you extended? So extension does a lot of things for you. It allows you to not have to be in the pressure of this whole herd mentality of getting your taxes done. But if you are not incorporated, you do not have that privilege. If you're still a sole proprietor or you're still hanging out, you know, as a just an individual, you can't do it. Well, it'd be interesting to see what your counsel says. So, you know, normally on tax day, we would bring Weldon. You know, we brought Mike before. We brought Sue before. We brought Warren before. We brought Lisa. We brought a variety of different tax counsel. Today, we're doing it different because there is a structure, the tax structure above it, LLC, limited partnership, S-Corp, C-Corp, or trust, that allows you the privilege of all those deductions that you actually get to do your extension and you get to file later. So before we go too far, let's click on to the next slide, which is our disclaimer from our legal team, because I'm not a tax expert. I'm not a CPA. I'd say I'm an expert educator. Uh, I'm not a lawyer and I'm not a licensed financial planner, nor is Brian And Scott has 20 plus years in corporate compliance, which is not a licensed position. So we're going to talk a lot about the combination of that, though. We're going to talk about corporate structure, tax, which does, you know, move right along that line of legal and moves right along the line of strategy. So take notes, ask questions. Brian will interrupt as needed. And I'll be interviewing Scott as we move through our conversation. And even those of you, if you're in the big table or in our coaching program, There are nuggets you're going to get tonight and distinctions, I would call them, about this conversation that's critical. So before we get too far, and I want to move to the next slide because I love using this slide since I found it. You know, the system was never broke. It was built this way. 1933 is when the W-2 pharmaceutical, you know, interesting world that we live in around the system was formed. And we're moving into a next system, which is digital currency and getting your team around that is critical in our next conversations. We continue to grow into I'm going to say, the next era of money. So this time frame we're in is very important to even get caught up, much less stay too far behind. So those of you listening, if the only way you make money is a W-2 job. And I shouldn't use just U.S. vernacular. If the job is the only way that you make money. The system's designed that you make money, you get taxed. And then we know the history after that. 
What we're talking about is being a company, having a legal right to make money with 81,000 pages of deductions and really understanding how you can live corporate life. So people say, well, well, you know, what programs do you have? And we don't have a program. We teach you a lifestyle, a way that you're going to live inside corporate life. And tonight, Scott's going to walk through, or we're both going to walk through just the absolute need for corporate compliance. And some of you out there are going to go, oh, my God, it's so boring. So here's what I would ask. Number one, if you don't have a company, you're going to have an opportunity to have a private session uh, with the teams and really decide which company should you have and what state should it be in or which province if you're in Canada or you know, if you're in Australia or the UK, the principles are the same. The names are just different. So what company should you have? And then how do you actually use legally the deductions? That's the tax piece. But just as important is if you were ever audited and your corporate veil is pierced, you go back to nothing. So keeping your corporate compliance up so you have the resolution. So you, you know, decide and have a strategy. Do you move your vehicle inside the company or keep it out? Do you move your phone? Anything you do with us is tax deductible. Um, can you do wardrobe? Can you not do wardrobe? Can you write up your dogs, cats, kids? I mean, all of this is a conversation we need to have with you. So I know there'll be a lot of very one-on-one questions. I'd ask you to kind of keep them more specifically general to the group. And we'll take your, your one-on-ones where it's about you and your family. And honestly, what I would say, a little more private information, and we take that differently. So as always, um, I want to put up our gap analysis. So our gap analysis is a tool we use. It comes out of the Millionaire Maker book, which is where are you financially in the bottom and where do you want to be? And inside that gap, there's two things we focus on with all plans, which is what are you going to do to make more money, your income, and what choices in education do you need to learn to invest off Wall Street? So it's about your income and it's about your assets and you making those choices and learning and understanding. So we do offer all the time. I always say you should have several makeovers during your year because you're never the same. And if you are stagnant and you're always the same financial situation, then you definitely should take advantage of a strategy session because things should be changing, you know, upsizing, right-sizing, moving into different categories. So with uh, let's go to the next slide. I'm going to introduce Scott. But before we jump into Scott's conversation, Brian, I do want you to start looking through some questions that we want to have. Now, our guest is Scott Arden. Some of you may have uh, met him before. He has been uh, in the space of corporate compliance and corporate structure, entity, trust for over 20 years. We've known each other for a very long time. He's Reno-based. You know, we've been in Lake Tahoe. We're actually going to be moving our conference facility. We're calling it Chapter 8 of Our Life to his office is down here right next to the Reno airport. So, Scott, welcome to uh, our call and ask Will tonight. Well, thanks for having me, Will. So before we jump in, and I'm just going to have you uh, invite you to answer the questions as well. Brian, let's uh, get some of the questions that the folks have right off the top. Then we'll go into some content, do more questions. We'll just keep our flow going for our time together. Great. You got it. So what we do, guys, I, I want to make this clear as well. We have hundreds and hundreds of questions that come in for me. So what we do is we go through them as a group and we kind of, uh, well, we, we pick and choose based on what the consensus of the questions are, the ones that just kind of what everybody else is asking. So that's that's kind of where the questions come from. Some are specific, but like Laurel said, we are going to try to be as general as we can to make sure that the bulk is getting answered for the majority of people. If we do have time, of course, for some one-off specific situations that might be pertaining to everybody, we'll get those as well. So I'm going to start off with a really, a really basic one, Laurel. And this is honestly, I think where a lot of people are at and one of the main questions that comes in, and, and you'll, you're going to love this, how general, but it says, how can I maximize my tax deductions? considering I don't know what we can claim and what we can't claim. 
Well, first of all, you shouldn't be doing them yourself because you're not an expert. And there's 80, now upward of 83,000 pages of tax code. And that is what your tax strategist, and you say, well, I don't have one. Well, you need one. And, you know, as you join our community, we have them for you. They do that assessment. And then I would just say the product that I have, is called Wealth Cycle Investing. It's six CDs. Um, it's all online, though, so it's actually an audio file where I'm literally reading you and talking to you about how you get a wealth plan. And there's a lot of what I call the basic deductions, you know, your rent, your car, your education, your computer, your shipping, your handling, your cogs, things like that. So the basic deductions happen because you legally have a business and you get to have those deductions before you pay tax, right? So the easy way to think about it is you can either make money in a job, pay tax, and then live on what's left. Or you make money, take your deductions, which many of them are life, I'm going to call life-related, lifestyle-related, and then you pay tax. So when you can choose to put the tax in the right sequence for your life, which it's sort of obvious which one you should choose, you need to find a business. And we'll help you find businesses. I mean, we have lots of processes we can talk you through about how to find a business that's suitable for your skill set. And then you have a legal reason to do the deductions. But just as a W-2 or, I mean, just as an employee, you don't have them. That's not what you get to do because you haven't chose to make money in the way the wealthy do. So, number one, you shouldn't be figuring it all out. Um, But we do have that Wealth Cycle Investing product and program that gives you at least the basics. Perfect. Very good. Very good. Thank you. All right. Next one. And again, Scott, feel free to pipe in on any of these as well. This one says, if you have an entity set up for business... How do the business write-offs mess with with your personal taxes, or are the taxes and write-offs both filed separately? You want to take that one, Laurel, or you want me to? You start. I'll add in. All right. So, yeah, ultimately, you know, as a corporate structure, if we're talking about the use of, let's say, an S-corporation, I believe that was the question. If we're utilizing the structure of an S-corporation, the corporation has its overall operational expenses, deductions, things of that nature. So that happens prior to the money actually being distributed to your personal return. So again, it's allowing you more money up front through the corporation through these deductibility options that Laura was talking about, upward of you know 233 different corporate write-offs, whereas when we look at our personal returns, it's roughly about 15 or 30 different deductions on the Schedule C. So it doesn't actually mess with the deductions. It just allows you more use of that money to take those deductibility options up front before the money passes through to the individual on their personal return. Now, from there, that's where you get your, you know, your overall live, the cost of living deductions and all the other different deductions that we, you know, that we get to claim as individuals. But again, it really is, it starts with the use of that entity structure. Perfect. Laurel, your thoughts? No, I mean, again, I would just say figure out which entity is right for you. And here's what this call is not. Scott was talking. I was just thinking, see, a lot of you, you are so do-it-yourself and you don't know how to do it. So the more you do yourself without proper guidance, the costlier it can be to fix the mistakes. I just went through Dallas last week. Um, Some of you, by the way, if I just met you in Dallas uh, last Thursday, Friday, Saturday, it was great to meet you. But there were so many Lone Rangers. Well, I'm going to go to $99 online and get incorporated. Well, that's ridiculous. There's no binder. There's no real operating agreement. There's like corporate charters. There's so much to like that. And it's not hard once you learn it. 
I believe, you know, it's got to be doing this for years, maybe 20 plus years each. So getting the right structure is the number one piece that's going to manage to your estate and your larger plans and goals. Then it's to, to start like really layering in the deductions. And when you have 83,000 pages, I mean, you have to imagine the consumption of the tax team. So let's just be honest. The people who get paid as subcontractors under H&R Block or some of these big houses that just, you know, pop up around the country to help everybody get their taxes done, that's not who we're talking about. They're there for just the quick and easy, 1040 easy, simple little schedule C's, like simple stuff. We're talking about really writing off deductions that are completely within the family scope and your scope of how you want to make money and how you want to live your life. So it's a pretty thorough conversation. It's a bigger strategy conversation than just doing it yourself. And yeah, you could go to the Secretary of State and go get an EIN number. That doesn't mean you have all your corporate compliance set up. So it's a, it's a bigger conversation. So Brian, one more question. Probably about 20 to 25 different people submitted the same question. Said, should I consider moving to a different state for tax benefits? <laughs> well, sometimes. You know, California and New York are your probably worst. I lived in California for 13 years, but I also had a Nevada corporation at the same time because of the way I was doing business. So it depends. It depends where you want to live. It depends how you want to be taxed. What we see, uh, and Scott, you can comment too, but I see a lot of folks, you know, leaving California to Nevada, leaving to Texas. A lot of, you know, folks as they, um, I hate the word retire, but get free, you know, we'll move to Florida. There are states that have far more conducive uh, tax benefits than others. So, you know, I think it's a different question. The question I would ask and where you want to live is, I say live where you want and do business and invest where it makes sense. So I've always lived in like really great, great places. And I've made the business and the strategies work for me based on where I want to live. And that's where I wanted to twist it a little bit was, you know, you said you lived in California for a while, but you lived in Nevada. Explain that a little bit. Well, I went and bought a, a rental property. So I had a home in Nevada, a rental property that I went and stayed at, and I rented out if I was there. And I lived in California. So I also had corporations own companies and own the real estate. So, you know, when you really understand it, home ownership becomes kind of different. It's most of the folks I know that are higher net worth actually rent. And so there's a higher level strategy that happens when you want to live that way. And then when you have intellectual property, you put that in the best state for your intellectual property. And depending on your assets and your investments, your investments drive the decision on where some of your corporate structure and your trust structure is. I wanted to live in Manhattan Beach and Sausalito and some awesome places for a while. But then there was just a point where I actually, you know, 2005 picked up and moved and uh, left all residents of California. Right. Well, you know, that's the beautiful thing is corporations are citizens of the state in which they're incorporated. So, you know, I mean, you can live anywhere. If we domicile a company out of the state of Nevada and you've got an operating business in the scenarios that were given New York, California, there's still a lot of added benefit of utilizing, you know, multiple different entity structures, if you will, to maximize the tax benefits and gain more, I guess you would want to call it financial privacy. Okay. Very good. Thank you. I think that covered it. Yeah. Let's jump into some of the, the slides. So Scott, let's let you go for a little while on entities and making, you know, the most of, especially the new tax law and the tax reform. And, you know, some of you, uh, we should send you t-shirts for those of you who really take this serious, but I have t-shirts I have printed now that we're, we're right-sizing out of our building in Tahoe and moving our conference facility over to Reno. It's interesting uh, to find some of these t-shirts. I have one, Scott, you'll love. I actually have to give you one. It says, do paperwork or be poor. 
And it speaks to if you don't get the documentation done, right? So if you go to that slide, it says formal documentation proves that you have a corporation and you're separate or a company and you're separate. It, that's the paperwork we're talking about because you can do right. all of this. And I w- would really have you all think, even if you just have a real estate LLC and you've got some property in, did you do your annual minutes? Did you do your corporate resolutions? Did you vote in officers or vote in a vehicle? Like all that stuff, although boring, the man on the phone is amazing at it. He does all of ours. He does a lot of our communities and uh, they have online blockchain server secured technology to like keep all this safe for you. It's critical. Chris is with me. I'll take a note and give you a t-shirt, Scott, that says do paperwork or be poor. And you should present nice. that. <laughs> I love it. But why don't you talk a little bit well and talk about these formalities and how critical they are? Okay. All right. So if we really go back to the definition of a corporation, the definition of a corporation is an artificial person created by law. It has the ability to do anything you want it to do, but think and speak for itself. So when we talk about the use of corporations and minutes and resolutions, essentially what we're talking about is give your company a voice and a thought process to be able to not only defend itself, but also defend you in whatever situation it may be, whether that's a audit, a contract dispute, lawsuit, arbitration, mediation, things of that nature. Now, again, we want the company to be able to think for itself or, or speak for itself. So the only way that it can do that is those minutes and resolutions. Now, any of those governing bodies that may look into, are they in fact treating this company as an entity structure? That's the very first set of documents that they're going to look at to determine whether or not you've in fact been treating it as a separate company or simply just an alter ego of the principles. So it's imperative that we give that company that voice, that thought process, or ultimately the discussion and kind of the permission slip to allow you guys as its owners, the listeners as its owners, that separation of liability. So let's continue on like to the next slide. So corporate formalities, I'm just going to have you kind of go for a while, talk about the formalities, the minutes, the resolutions, and then my favorite slide you have, which are all those stickies all over that one wall. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So corporate formalities are required by law. Like I said, any governing body, they're going to look at that. And that is what's going to determine that you and the company are completely separate, that you should be allowed to take the deductions that you're taking as a corporation and not be deemed as a sole proprietorship. And so in my 23 years of doing this, we've identified there to be about 165 different types of minutes and resolutions that need to be drafted within a company. You know, things like hiring key executives or getting rid of key executives. If we're purchasing real estate, you know, resolutions behind the acquisition of the property. And then the next is, are we going to rent it out? Or are we going to buy and flip it? So there's a lot of different scenarios in which that would come into play. So again, they are required by law. A lot of people, you'll hear it out there that, oh, we'll just go form an LLC. You don't have to do minutes and resolutions. And so anybody who has ever told you that is actually giving you misinformation. LLCs and corporations, S-corporations, partnerships, all the like, have to have these documents to prove that the owners are completely separate. So they are required by law. Don't ever let anybody tell you, oh, well, you know, it's super easy to just form an LLC. Because if you're ever challenged, you're going to learn the hard way that that information was absolutely incorrect 
and now we're running into bigger situations. Okay. So I talked a little bit about this. So the minutes of a company are essentially the voice and the thought process of the company. It says why we made certain transactions on certain days, who was there and present for those decisions to be made. And is that all signed off by all of those officers? So that leads us into that next slide, which yes, it has about 40 of the 156 different corporate formalities that we've identified, but these are the key ones that a lot of people overlook. They think that they're just an ordinary day-to-day scope of business. It doesn't have to be recorded, but I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things that in fact, as simple as they may seem, need to be documented by way of minutes and resolutions. So Scott, I just want to ask, so what do you think the biggest gaps are with folks in their their corporate you know documents. So you come and meet them, they say they have an LLC. And I mean what I see is not a lot, even a proper operating agreement. And there's all sorts of stock agreements. I mean you go buy one out of legal zoom, you buy a lot of this crap out of legal zoom, but you don't know that it's written properly and written for you. There's so many nuances of corporate minutes. And just since I've worked with you right now for about a year, a little over a year, like very personally worked I mean, our corporate documents, our corporate minutes, I mean, they were already solid, but man, the distinctions that you get added in about how you write off, say, wardrobe, how do you do vehicles, how do you do housing, how do you do your kids, there are so many distinctions that unless you know to ask for them, you won't know about them. And I think that's where a lot of like our community, you need to stop saying, well, where am I going to go find it? You're not. You're going to get a Mm -hmm. company and you're going to let us support you in the way that that's going to be done for you. Your job is to go make money, not worry about corporate minutes and resolutions and documents. And you need to have it done. And you can't let it get right. too far behind. And I'm just going to give everyone a little tool, a trillion dollar tool that you know Chris has worked with me forever. We made up when we had you know, a lot of things to keep track of is basic things like a calendar, You know, basic things like knowing when your corporate entity, your filing is your annual filings due. And making sure you put all that in, not the day that it's due, but 30 days before. Keep it on your radar that you can't let these things go into default. And by the way, if you have had a company before, the worst thing to do is to close it. I would say once you put a plane in the air, an entity, do not take it down for a lifetime. And in fact, keep it up for generations and you'll have more opportunity for money and credit. So a lot of you, there's a use to these corporate structures that allow you corporate credit, access to financing, access to money. I mean, a 20, 30, 40, 50-year-old, 100-, 200-year-old company is worth an invaluable amount of money to the financial institute. So don't just take it up and say, oh, I'm going to buy a couple of houses, and then I'm done, and I sell the properties, I'm going to take the, the LLC down. You want to keep them for a very long time, and you really want to keep the structure of them. So if you're in default or you don't know, again, the number on the screen, and we're inviting all of you to sign up and have some conversations about what you've done to yourself. <laughs> so... Let's go to the next fun slide, Scott, that has the stickies all over it. We're just going to stick there for a little while. Perfect, yeah. So like I was talking about, this is about 40 of the different uh, resolutions that are commonly overlooked just due to the fact that one of the things, like you said, where the biggest gap is, they don't know what they need to do, right? They don't have the guidance. Or if they did have the guidance, What's the proper format that those documents need to be put in? And how often do they need to be kept, right? I mean, that, that's really a huge component of the gap, if you will. 
And one of the other biggest things is so that you asked about the gap. The one is they didn't know that they needed to do it. The next gap is, well, they kind of knew what they needed to do, but they had no guidance doing it. And then there's the third one, which I hear all the time, which is my CPA does that for me, right? My CPA doing that for me, that's like telling me that your doctor manages your health or the doctor manages the health of your vehicle, right? They are specifically focused on doing your books, your taxes, making sure that everything is being filed on time. They're not there to help you create minutes and resolutions within the company because, again, they only come around unless you're doing proper tax planning throughout the course of the year you're probably only going to see your CPA maybe once a quarter or once a year. And so when these decisions happen throughout the course of the year in business, your CPA is not there. And if you do call them, they're going to say, well, we can write that. And you may get a proper formality or format for that structure. But that is very rare. Like I said, in 23 years of doing this, whenever I hear my CPA does it for me, when I go and I actually look at the documentation, they're really relating more to just a, an annual meeting, not these special meetings or special things that have happened throughout the course of the year. So the biggest gap is because they don't know, they do nothing, right? Kind of just work on making money within the business and will eventually get around to these other things, which can be very detrimental, especially when it comes to, you know, an audit or, contract dispute, having to go back and reconstruct. We just need to make sure it's current from the get-go. And if it's not, we can help go back and reconstruct from recollection, things like that. But it's imperative that it be done. Absolutely. So I just want to sit on the next slide. It's fairly uh, self-obvious. You know, if this is you, the biggest mistake of the self-employed or the small business owner is to do nothing and not do anything. So Brian, let's leave it right there for a moment. And uh, let's go get some questions for uh, our amazing listeners uh, that are out there and need to get this stuff done. Great. Here's one that just came in. I, I really like this one. It says it's an anonymous attendee, but uh, the same question came in when they registered. So it says, if I have an LLC with an S corp election with the goal of doing active and passive real estate investing, how long can I go on deducting educational expenses, marketing expenses without generating any income? Does the IRS begin to disallow these deductions getting passed through to my personal income tax? Scott, all you. <laughs> all right. So there would come a time. I mean, the intent, it really comes down to intent. If your intent is to turn profit within the business, and what I mean by that is not just building a widget and going to a couple craft fairs a year. I'm talking intent. You're doing marketing. You're doing advertising. You're hiring a sales team, whether that's internal or external. Your intent is to make money. And so therefore, if you're utilizing various educational resources to help facilitate the growth and expansion of the business, you can most certainly take those deductions year after year even if the company isn't showing a whole lot of profit or running at a, mi a very minor deficit. So I think that's the best way that I can answer that question. But again, it, I typically like to expand a little bit and understand what the client's truly looking at or where the question originates, but that's the best way I can answer that question. Yeah, and the thing I would add to it is if you're not being taxed as a real estate professional, which is an IRS designation, that's something that we'll help you look into. 
because that will change that as well for just what I call the next level of uh, growth and strategy for folks that are in the real estate spaces that you want that designation as a real estate professional. And you may need a second company just to put management under that. So you can put that designation in the management company. So again, just what Scott said, we want to like really work with you and understand your goals. Cause it's not just about getting a one size fits all in LLC or an S or a C. It's what do you want? What do you have now? What are you going to have? What do you predict you're going to have? Are you going to have a book? Are you going to have some education? Is it going to be all real estate? Are you going to have a franchise or a license? All those things matter. And then the bigger question is, are you legacy planning, meaning passing this down to your kids? Or is this just for you? Is there going to be a charity later? Like all those things matter in these decisions. So you set it up from the beginning, knowing that you have a trajectory of growing. So it's not as simple as some of these $99. Can you tell we're picking on them because it drives us crazy? Because once we get those kind of companies from you, and you went that way, it's going to cost you just as much sometime, if not more, if uh, it got really tangled up to untangle it and then do it right. So let's do it right from the beginning and create the history properly from the beginning because it's all auditable, by the way. Anyway. Okay. Then what if you've started your corporation, but you haven't done your your meetings or your minutes? Can you backdate those or do you just move forward and do No, the- that's called fraud. No, 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 no. no. So, <laughs> that's so- called fraud. Backdating is 100% illegal. However, the IRS, the courts, the arbitration association basically state that you can reconstruct your minutes and resolutions by recollection. So you're not dating them. You're not saying, well, we, we're going to go back. And we're going to backdate all these records. No, no, no. You're going to get yourself into a lot worse situation than, you know, an audit. <laughs> So again, really the answer to that is yes, you can go back in a company and reconstruct from recollection the minutes and the resolutions, and they are admissible in court and are recognized as, well, you know, we forgot to document, but we realize now that we need to do it. And so therefore, we brought everything current, if you will. All right. This question this came in based on the answer that was given or a question and answer that was given earlier. It says, I own a digital advertising agency in California. I'm setting up an LLC. Should I set it up in California or would you set it up in California? You can't answer that. So you have to have a session with Scott to get that answer properly. So it depends. That's my answer to all of these questions. Actually, it depends on your bigger goals. It can't just be... Because here's the problem if we answer to just, so I mean, Brian, if they want to elaborate a little bit, so elaborate, what are they going to do and why, where are their money going to come from? Are they online? Are they, you know, a retail store? Like all those things matter. So they have to elaborate. So I'm not, not answering, but I want you to elaborate in the chat and then Brian, come back with that. Okay. Another one. Let's go to the, the failure to document and disallows. Tell the story while you're getting some more content. And for all of you that want to ask questions, it can't be that simple. We need a little more context to what is it that you're doing. How are you making money? And like I said, are you are you an IP company? Are you an MLM? Are you a coach? Are you a real estate guy? Are you a chiropractor? Create more context so we can help you in the questioning because otherwise they're too vague. So while y'all get your questions together, Scott, talk about the uh, disallowed and failure to document. All right. So a prime example of the disallowing of certain deductions, things like that, we have a client, he's now in good working order, but we have a client, uh, he's a custom home builder. He actually built a custom home for one of our ex-vice presidents in Laramie, Wyoming. 
he had one of the most prestigious CPA firms. He had been incorporated and had his lawyer form his corporation for him. He pretty much felt that he had a very pristine business model and business structure. Well, he received the notice of an audit from the IRS. So he got together with his CPA. They gathered all the documents. They got the corporate book and they pulled all the financials. Walking into the Internal Revenue Services office and that agent's office, sitting down with the CPA and the agent, feeling very confident. And the very first question that the CPA or say asked was, let me see your corporate books. Now, a lot of people think your corporate books are your accounting records, which they typically are when you know we're talking about them in that context. But in this case, the IRS agent was asking for the corporate records. Again, he wanted to determine whether or not he should, in fact, treat this company as a separate company. So upon opening the corporate record book, he discovered that the minutes and resolutions had never been done past the initial meeting, the documentation that his attorney had created, and there were never any ownership certificates issued within the company. So the revenue agent closed the book up and pushed it back across the table and said, I now know what I'm dealing with or what type of entity I'm dealing with. So he then asked, now, let me go ahead and see your corporate financials. So they pushed the financials across the desk. The revenue agent went through the documentation and over the course of three years, and which was the term that they were auditing, he identified that this client of mine had taken over a quarter of a million dollars in deductions. Now, he then disallowed all of those deductions due to the fact that those deductions were afforded to a corporation, not a sole proprietorship. And he disallowed those and penalized that client to the tune of 45%. So it's very imperative that we keep up on these minutes and resolutions. As Laurel talked about, that's the very first thing. If you want to be able to take advantage of, of the deductions, maximize those benefits, we need to keep up on these minutes and resolutions. So that's what I mean by failure to document or disallowing. So, I mean, what you need to do, and again, don't you know, stress we have a solution, is you know, Scott and his partner, Mike, and the team have put together this cool platform where literally you type in what you have done, like you've got a new insurance policy, you bought a new vehicle, you hired somebody, all the things that are required to do a resolution, it actually does it for you. So it's super cool. We're going to introduce you to that in just a moment. But Brian, let's go back for a few more questions. Okay. All right. This one came in. I'm in Massachusetts. I'm looking to build a real estate brokerage, flipping business, rental portfolio, education, and speaking as well. I'm single. I have no kids, but I plan to. What entity do I need? Can I just take a swag at that, you know, which is a sophisticated guess. So I'm going to say in the ballpark, because I'm not going to give you any details today to talk to Scott and the team. But, you know, somebody like you, number one, if you don't have all of that, you should plan for it. So this is where like the books and the seminar part of your world and the speaking would be in Nevada and you'd use our addresses and you'd have a lease and you'd come, you know, use our facilities and have that, that be the Nevada part. If all your real estate's in Massachusetts, then that has got to be a different company in Massachusetts. So that's when Scott gets his little ninja tricks out and uh, really understands the tax code. So what else would you add to that? And there's a big benefit of that multiple corporate year-end strategy. Right. 
Yeah, I think, again, you know, just wanting to better understand. But, yeah, you know, we have to really do a risk assessment and, and truly identify what components are involved in the business, how that should be structured. It's not going to fall under one specific entity. Um, I mean, you know, a corporation can do anything you want it to do, but think and speak. But we don't want to put all businesses in one bucket, if you will, right? So it would require some diversification and utilizing of, uh, of multiple different entity structures, whether that's LLCs and S-Corps or utilizing Nevada. But that's a great question. It just isn't a lot more in-depth answer than I think we were looking to venture into in this conversation. Well, and I think there's a lot, like, you're not married now. So then, I mean, we, we're going to bring in all sorts of stuff for prenuptial, trust, when you do have a family and kids. So, I mean, the ideal way to do this is to do, you know, what Scott calls, you know, boxes and arrows. So you start laying out, this is what it's going to look like. And they say, then what if I grow that? What if I grow that? So then you actually start seeing the roadmap of who you're going to become in your lifetime, but like really drawn out and which trusted on it. Then you just start getting busy building it. So right. I would think if you haven't done anything, person in Massachusetts, you would at least do two companies to get started. Yeah, right. and just if that's, if that's at least two, because that's your you know big vision. And if you raise capital, that's another one. So highly encourage you to take advantage of some time with Scott, our teams, and you know really right. like, draw that out. And what do you want it to be? And then that way you don't have to change the companies as you go along. You don't have to transfer assets, which are taxable events. I mean, there's a lot of things that you want to start thinking about. And some of you, and it's not, this isn't like a scary conversation. They don't do it. I mean, it's really a decisive conversation of don't just have to be some casual conversation is this is the architecture of your financial life. It really is right. going to be architecting that base of, and then, I mean, we're so detailed is once you get that decided, then we're going to talk about banking. We're going to talk about corporate credit. We're going to talk about merchant servicing. We will stretch you over to digital currency all that stuff is how your financial base needs to be set. Right. And just kind of echo on that. I'm going to, that's one of the things about my firm, our firm is, is the fact that there's a lot of other companies like Laurel keeps referring to them, $99 incorporation companies and things like that. But one of the things about my firm is that we don't like to shoot from the hip. All right. Answering a question, just saying, Hey, here's a one size fits all scenario. It's great for everybody is not the best solution. What we typically like to do is we like to start with a comprehensive analysis, really build a baseline of where you're at, and then kind of phase or sequence out how we want the growth and development, what we want that to look, what that looks like in your eyes and you know, for uh, benefits and asset protection purposes and things like that, we'll phase or sequence that out. So that was just kind of an echo to what you were saying there, Lori. Sorry. Oh, Laurel, sorry. <laughs> All right. You guys want another question? Sure. All right. Let's do it. This one came in as well. I, I told her I'd try to get to it. It says that they live in Texas, have oil, I have oil royalty income from inherited land. Can I structure an entity to create deductions against this income? Oh my God, yes. How about that? <laughs> yeah. So if you got it from an inheritance, it, had, it most likely came from a trust. If it didn't come from a company, then this was just like you have a little gold mine that just landed in your lap. So the structure of it would be a trust, most likely irrevocable, that would hold an LLC in Texas that would then hold that. And then you'd have a flow through by 
by way of that. So it's more than just the entity if you want to continue the generational wealth of that. Okay, so the purpose of adding the trust is just another layer of protection. Is that correct? Well, and transferability to the next generation without any tax consequence. Because right now, you can move generational money at a, the, per beneficiary. You can move $11.8 million without taxes. So you keep that asset, you know, a tax-free asset. Can you operate your business as a trust instead of a corporation? I'm going to say, yes, yeah, no. I mean, it's not the best, most benefit, but Scott, you answer in your way. So there's two different types of trust. There's the irrevocable trust, which is more of the asset protection component. And then you have the living trust, which is the estate planning component. So neither of those are really good for the use of a business interest, just due to the fact that they're both transparent for tax purposes. So it's going to reflect on what your personal deductions are versus being able to take advantage of the deductibility options you should be taking. So long-winded answer to that question is, <laughs> is no, we shouldn't operate a business through a trust. It's set up for primarily for the intent and purpose of asset protection and estate planning or probate avoidance. Okay. And right now it is so good. So you want to set it now so you grandfather into today's tax laws, not what where we're transitioning or what's happening in the next year and a half. Right. Hint, hint. So... Brian, I just want Scott to describe the platform. So Interactive Business Guide, IBG is what we're calling it. It's a platform that literally you do something, you click, it does the resolutions for you. Scott and his team still review them, but it creates all the resolutions, all the minutes that you ever would need. And we'll keep prompting you through the deductions you don't even know that are possible for you. I've never seen anything like it. A lot of people can set up companies, but then how do you get the company to comply? And I love that you guys have created this tool. So talk through the benefit and what it does. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's very interactive, very user-friendly. And like, like you were saying, you do get 12 live guided appointments where you know uh, my staff will actually prompt you, you know, reach out to you at least once a month and say, hey, what kind of transactions have happened? Have you used the platform to record it? If not, well, let's take some time since we scheduled this to go in there and create those documents. Now, the beautiful thing about it is, yes, just like you were saying, once you've pre-populated some of the information with the entities, especially if there's transactions that happen between multiples of your entities, it will create the documentation and then also a corresponding task to create other resolutions. So let's say if we're purchasing a company vehicle or strike that we're going to purchase real estate. And one of the businesses is going to lease that real estate. So it would create the corresponding resolutions. But beyond that, it actually creates the tasks associated with that. So, you know, if we are buying a piece of real estate, did you put it into the insurance policy? Have you added all of the vendors and things that are going to be associated with that property? So it guides you through that process and it makes it kind of an educational process at the same time so that as the business grows and develops, as you get more familiar with the platform, you can either take it over yourself, you can hire an assistant to do it or continue having my firm do it, but at least you know what kind of documentation needs to go in place and when. I think that's one of the bigger things is, you know, people don't know when 
these documents, these minutes and resolutions need to be written. And so as part of that platform, we, we take that proactive approach to keep you apprised of the things that need to be written and ensure that they are, in fact, being written and put inside your corporate book. Well, and I think one of the things, too, that for those who end up with many corporations, isn't it true, Scott, you can write a resolution for one, say you did a note payable or a receivable or you have a management contract. When you write it for the one, you can also have it assigned to another one. So it literally could manage multiple corporations and their internal marketing and management transactions. So you're not having to worry about whether it hinged and kept the other corporation compliant. So for example, the guy who asked about the real estate in Massachusetts, you would write a contract to that management company, for example, in Nevada, that say you want the right to that intellectual property when you go out to Massachusetts and do a real estate workshop. So you would have a intellectual property arrangement contract. You would have a management contract. And potentially, if you have books and tapes and all of that, you would have a distribution contract. So all of those contracts are internally done, but the IBG platform will put the corporate resolutions and those documents inside each, say, set of books. So you can look for one it matches it on the other. Exactly. Yeah. So the corresponding transaction will be populated under all of the companies. So that's why I was saying when you when you first go in, we do the initial walkthrough, we get the companies and their information put into the platform. And then, yes, as the resolutions get written, let's say it is transferring an asset or licensing intellectual property. Yeah, there would be a resolution that says we're going to go ahead and license the intellectual property to XYZ company. And yes, the corresponding minutes and resolutions would say we're going to license it from this company. So it does keep both sides compliant. It's not, oh, well, I got to go in and do one. And then, yeah, I got to go in and do the next one. It corresponds with each of the companies that is associated with the transaction. Awesome. So let's just go tell them what the deal is. So the deal is when you go to the last slide, uh, it's an interactive, again, business guide. And Scott will walk through all the, the benefits of it. But here's how cool it is. It's 99 bucks a month or $8.95 for the whole year. And it will do all these things for you. It's completely interactive. You have a full-time customer support. So if you don't understand it, you can call the team. They'll walk you through it. Make sure your documents. I don't know that there's anything else on the market like it, which is why I've jumped in so fully, not only for ourselves, for a lot of our clients, and you say, well, you know, I only have one company. Well, you're going to get two and you're going to get three and you're going to have 10. The more you do deals, like the real estate guy in Massachusetts or girl, whoever you are, just say you do a real estate transaction with different investors every you know, month. Well, by the end of the year, you're going to have 12 entities and they're all going to have to have relationships to a management company. All those documents need to be done. 99 bucks a year to keep all your documents clean is nothing. And it's just, you know, when I say peace of mind, and I don't know that a lot of you realize that there's such a push, I think, in the market to set up companies, but not the compliance side of it, which keeps them healthy and whole. So, Scott, talk a little bit more about what they're getting. If you see on the bonuses, obviously, you all need another money makeover. You're going to have a special call with uh, Scott and his team. And we're actually going to send you out a tax reform document. We're going to send you the module inside our off Wall Street asset modules. We have all sorts of bonuses we're going to give you for signing up tonight. And let's just say you sign up and you don't do anything you don't want it. We can always cancel. Don't know why you would because I don't know who's going to do this for you. You can go hire a lawyer. A lawyer would cost between five and 10000 for the year. 
to do the level of documents that are inside the system. So, Scott, just talk about the variance, the different uh, pieces inside your system. It's very complex. Yeah, definitely. So, like I said, you'd get the 12 live guided appointments. So, that's my staff, in fact, reaching out to you at least once, if not twice a month to help identify any and all of the transactions that have happened to make sure that they are properly recorded. They'll actually take you in during that call and make sure that you complete the documents, print them out, and in fact, put them inside a corporate record book. You also would get 12 live reminder calls. So one of my uh, office assistants would reach out to set up that guided call, just being proactive. We're not waiting on you to contact us. We're staying in front of you to ensure that everything remains fully compliant. Next to that, you have the 12-month access to it. Beautiful thing, the way that we've programmed it, and, and, and we might be closing this shortly, but the way that we've programmed it right now is if you've got multiple different companies, you can actually upload unlimited amount of companies right now, as Laurel and I were talking about, to where you would get the corresponding resolutions within. Okay. In addition, I know that there were some questions about, well, what if I've got a company that you know is a few years old or you know, uh, maybe it's 10 years old. Don't fret. This program will actually allow us to go back, reconstruct that documentation. I mean, we've gone as far back as 20 years in some cases to reconstruct that documentation, get everything brought up to speed, and maintain everything moving forward. In addition, it provides the actual generation of the document. So like I said, making sure it would, it would in fact create the document itself it's as simple as that. All you've got to do is hit the print button and autograph it and put it inside the corporate book. And then it also provides those tasks. As I said, you know, if you go buy a piece of property, did we add it to the insurance? Did you set that up on auto payments? Who is the insurance company that's covering it? All these different things that need to be documented that a lot of business owners overlook. I mean, you figure, okay, well, we went out, we bought a property, we pretty much everything that we're doing is within the day-to-day -day scope of operations. Well, this program will actually proactively prompt you to say, hey, no, you're not done with just completing this form. There's some additional steps that need to be taken. And that's our task identification and guidance portion of it. Okay. And then, yes, you know, as things go on, if there are questions that come up regarding, am I filling this out correctly? Or is this a proper timing in which to create those resolutions? That's why I have my staff there to be able to help provide that proactive guidance moving forward. So, Brian, is there any last questions around this conversation? And I'm serious, those of you that are on here, this is so important that you uh, take action. Right now, we've got probably 15, 18 questions in the queue that are coming in. So, Well, summarize them in one question. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> all right. Well, maybe summarize in a few. There's got to be a theme to them all. They're pretty specific. You know, are the resolutions and internal documentation important to maintain compliance and your corporate veil? Yes. Of course. Next. That's yeah. the only way to maintain the corporate veil. That's what I thought. Um, let's see. Entity question, Nevada LLC or Oklahoma LLC? My business is in Oklahoma. My business model, A. So one-on-one. A, online marketing. Yeah, a lot of these, they're one-on-one -on -one type questions. 
This one says, I'm in Tennessee. I've got 10 retail locations that are their own separate LLCs. We have a management company that's an S-Corp. Should the S-Corp own the LLCs? Oh, God, no. I mean, I can't give advice, but God, no. <laughs> yeah. Again, I mean, we would, we'd really... We've got, was that it? Okay, yeah. Like I said, I think I'm going to encourage everybody that that's had these questions that I haven't been able to get to yet. How can they get a hold of Scott? What do they do here? Right. Well, you sign up. So you go to the link and uh, you sign up for 99. You get really, really active this month if you want to go for the whole year because you know that you're going to use the the IBG platform. Then you do it. Otherwise, call the number on the screen, which is seven seven five five eight eight nine two zero zero. Our team was will be setting. And uh, they'll set appointments for those that are more advanced. You will actually get Scott or you will get his partner, Mike. So I would say some of those questions, we have folks in the office as well who will be handling it. So we have a whole team of reps who will be handling all of their questions. Those of you that were on your call tonight, you will be assigned to our team and you'll be followed up to do an assessment. Right. So I'm looking at Mike right now saying the team needs an assessment document specific to yeah quarterly assessment for this quarter. And then we'll go through the quarterly document. We all rally around, honestly, because there's also a tax component that we have to talk to our tax counsel. So it's not a one and done. It's a have an initial session, get it done right. So call the 775-588-9200, get on the calendar to have your one-on-one and get to the IBG platform and get signed up. Easy peasy. I mean, do the math, 99 a month or 895 for the whole year. Okay. So Brian, I know you have another call. You have to go facilitate and actually do a makeover on a very cool couple who is selling a company and the rest of you glad you joined. The replay will be out shortly. Um, Thomas will be sending out the replay to all of you and feel free to send it around to the rest of those that you think in your family or friend or your circles need it. And uh, stay tuned for next month on Ask Laurel. And again, go to uh, our new website. So we've had a website up since the beginning of the year integratedwealthsystems.com is our new brand, our new site. And we are up to date on our big table uh, locations. We're going to be doing tours and we are going to Phoenix next week. We'll be in Vegas in May and then Orange County, Huntington Beach area in June. September, we're heading to the Dallas area. So stay in touch with us and we'll stay in touch with you. Brian, anything else to wrap it up or Scott? Not, not from my side. No, this is great. I mean, obviously we had a, we had a- ton of great questions that are coming in. A lot of people very interested in a lot of, obviously it, it brings, it rings true that they need help and they're very specific help to their situations. So again, I would encourage everybody to use that number that's on the screen right now, the 775-588-9200. Call in and get some specific guidance there for your case. We'd love to be able to help you guys. That's why we do these calls. All right. Thanks to all of you. And again, click on the link that signed up tonight and call in for your appointment to really go through an assessor situation. It's all different. It's all one-on-one. We'll send out some questions you really need to be thinking of and framing your conversation for. So thanks for all joining. We'll talk to you all soon. Thanks for listening to the Real Money Talks podcast. Your host has been Laurel Langmire, author of five New York Times bestsellers, money expert on Dr. Phil, CNN, CNBC, The Street TV, Fox News, and The View. Want to learn more about off-Wall Street investing, tax strategies, and multi-million dollar business strategies? Visit liveoutloud.com slash podcast for past episodes, show notes, and resources. 
for some special wealth building gifts only for Laurel's podcast listeners, visit liveoutloud.com slash podcast gifts. Do you have a burning question for Laurel? Visit asklaurel.com to submit your question, and it may just be covered on a podcast episode. So stay tuned and be sure to subscribe to get new episodes every week.